it's so important that you have a, like a culture and a team and you don't feel alone because if you are a team that go into the different challenges together um, then it's so much easier in the end welcome to the podcast b2b saw ceos with me joseph falsen as your host i'm the ceo and founder of vam that helps sales teams close more deals and book more meetings through video messaging The idea to this podcast was born because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO and therefore I need to learn from the best. And I want to take you with me on this journey. Hi, my name is Martina. I'm the CEO and founder of Telnes. You're listening to B2B SaaS CEOs. Hi and welcome, Martina. Thank you, thank you. How is everything? Feeling good? Yeah, feeling pretty good. Nice. Nothing to complain about. Have a great morning so far. And then we jump into the first question always in all my episodes. Martina, what does Telnes do? Please do your elevator pitch. <laughs> Telnes is a mobile operator for... Um, like specialized for small businesses. So we're challenging the the big telecom uh, companies and delivering great customer experience in the end for a targeted segment that's uh, small to medium businesses. Nice. And then I want to move on to why tennis? How did you end up with that idea and that business? Yeah, so we um, I have a telecom background from before. I work at one of the large operators in uh, in, in Sweden. And, well, telecom is not really used to having great customer experiences. It's usually bottom line on every survey that's out there in comparison to other, um, well, type of businesses in general. And I basically just saw that it doesn't necessarily need to be this way, but uh, large telcos have a lot of legacy and it's easier said Uh, than done. So I just thought someone should just start from a blank piece of paper and do it as it's supposed to be. Um, And well, that could be me and us. So I recruited a team and uh, thought uh, this deserved to be a different standard. And that's what we've done the last seven years. Now we actually sell the platform to other operators also enabling them uh, on a global basis uh, with the sister company Telnes Tech so we can make a difference on and an impact in the industry on a global basis also nice okay so uh, Martina as you know I have a segment in my podcast that is questions from external people in the community and now it's time for question number one and this is from Belgin Alalund she's the community manager of Junko which is a financial app if you are self-employed And this is her question. Hey, Martina. Me, as a person who have been active in the ecosystem for entrepreneurs in Sweden and met especially a lot of very young entrepreneurs, would like to ask you, what was the first thing you did when you uh, came up with your idea? And uh, what did you focus on the most during your first year? Very good question. Um, what I did first was I tried to um, 
test my idea with people that I thought would have um, a good opinion in the end, like not just my friends and family and people who knew me, but I reached out to people that had launched services to the SME, SMB segment before and people that have launched um, mobile operators of some sort on a global basis. You just reached out and tested the, the whole idea on people I respect and thought could have a valuable input and would not be nice, so to say. Um, and here, since Belgian isn't here, so I'm going to follow up here. How, how many people, if you give a ballpark? So I think that I, I gave myself some like milestones. So I said like the first three months, I'm going to do, I'm going to evaluate uh, my idea. I'm going to meet a lot of people. I had like breakfast breakfast or lunch more or less every single day during these three months and I'm going to build up like a case uh, and evaluate if I still believe it in myself in the end like how would the business model look how will my go to market be what will the value proposition in the market be etc and had my own little deadline to evaluate um my my key learnings and thoughts and how that looked like uh, in the end So that was like my first very clear phase, uh, actually. For me, I had to resign my work before I start evaluating the idea also. So then it was like some milestones whether I should still go for it or start applying for another job or not. So so this was the first three months. What, what was the second step? Uh, so the second step was to um, build up a team and find investors. Because obviously I couldn't do this alone. So I needed a team to complement and actually building up the problems. I found some co-founders. And also my startup idea was quite heavily, um, it was dependent on having investments from start because we needed to, well, launch and operate to build some technology and, um, you know, have um, licenses and agreements in place before launching a product. So I think this is dependent a little bit, uh, a little bit on what idea you have, dependent on you whether you need to do that uh, or not. Of course, if you can start an agile basis, that's to prefer maybe. But uh, this whole uh, idea, uh, this wasn't an option. Option. Uh, so then it was to find investors. So we had another three months to do that, um, and then to of course start the product. So our first year was a very clear goal to launch the product in a year's time. Nice. To do a minimum viable product, make sure that it's something that uh, the customer actually required in the end so that you fulfill the needs, uh, even if it's a first soft launch, uh, and uh, focus on that clear goal. I think this is great input, and I think Belgin is happy. So thank you, Belgin, for your question, and thank you for the answers here, Martina. Let's move on to being a leader. What do you like the most about being a leader, Martina? Now, what I like the most of being a leader in in this setups, like the startup environment and being a founder, etc., is that you can really uh, you can really set goals. Not only what product you're building or what problem you're solving, uh, but also like what type of company can you do you believe in, and what type of company do you create in terms of company culture and Um, well, the how of what you think is the best possible company to succeed uh, with your goals, and that type of like inspiring leadership, but also setting 
like clear visions in terms of the how and what values do you have and um, what processes, what type of behavior do you benefit uh, us to succeed in the end, I think is very, uh, it's very, very interesting because in the end, it's the people who's creating um, the whole product or service and company in the end. So it's a huge difference on dependent on what you spend your time on and if you can have a high ceiling and if you can have an inspirational and innovative environment, uh, etc. So uh, I spend a lot of time on um, making sure that the company culture is beneficial for our success uh, and everything that that means for us, uh, but also to uh, create a company that I'm proud of in the end. You just told me what you like the most about being a leader. Now I want to know, Martina, what is your greatest strength as a leader? Uh, I think my greatest strength as a leader is that I uh, I take the task seriously and I really prepare and uh, try to be a good leader. Uh, in the end, I think it's uh, important and I just don't go with the flow and uh, go with my talent, but I actually plan and... Um, do different tasks, uh, do different um, sessions every week on how to drive culture and how to follow up and how to make sure people are heard and seen. It's not, um, I develop as a leader all the time and make sure that I'm a good, try to make sure that I do what's needed um, in different phases uh, of the company. I think the other part of me being a leader, my strength is that I do care very much like truly care about both the company's success, but also care about the people uh, and care about uh, the customers. Uh, and I think that's usually what I get as a feedback also, that I can be quite tough, etc. but everyone knows it's because I care about them or I care about the task uh, in the end. And then it's much, much easier to have high ceiling and have a um, good dialogue in the end. Nice. And now, now I'm going to jump in, in here with following questions. Care, uh, g- give me some best practices here. H- how, how do you show, how do you have a framework to, to really, uh, because from my point of view, the most of uh, entrepreneurs and leaders actually care, but some have really mm. problems to show it. And, uh, yeah. so, so, so what framework do you have here? And uh, This is a good question, I think. Now, I think I, I try to make sure that um, I just don't have an opinion or that I just, just don't do things, but try to make sure that uh, there is an understanding and to present the why all the time. Uh, so if I make a decision or if I give feedback or if I have, um, I'm moderating a task of some sort, I'm trying to all the time explain the why and explain the thought uh, behind it and then over time um, people start understanding and see patterns and understand that there's most often a reason why Mar- Martina do or says etc and uh, I think misunderstandings in general is lack of communication and lack of uh, just understanding of why we think or say uh, things in the end. So a lot of communication tasks, like um, exercises of some sort. And we spend a lot of time also on a regular basis to really get to know each other. So we know when we are in our 
strengths or weaknesses, etc. Because you can't always be perfect. No. But then, no, then they know how I behave when I'm stressed, or they know why I can say different things because it's not for the wrong reasons. And uh, you are laying it quite nicely here for me, Martina, with the ending here, because my next question that I had prepared was shifting from the positive. I don't like to say negative angle now, but uh, it, we're going to talk about challenges. So, so mm-hmm. now I want to know more about what are your, both your and uh, Telna's biggest challenges right now. Ooh. Um, I would say... Um... Our biggest challenges right now is really uh, prioritizations Uh, because we are in a position where uh, we've been doing what we're doing in uh, six years, uh, almost seven, and things are really starting to accelerate in, in different positions. And this makes us, there's a lot of options of where we can go. Uh, The telecom space is really, uh, like if you f- compare to the fintech space, there's a lot of fintech startups. There's a lot of different companies solving different things. And we've built uh, a product based on the end users. And this means that we have a lot of directions uh, to go now. So our biggest challenge is really where to focus, make sure that we have some hypothesis and really spend our time on that and not become a little bit of everything. So make sure that our value proposition is clear and that the focus in organization is like we decide and we really uh, go for that for a while. And then we do a lot of retros to evaluate if we should continue that path or if we should try another. Um, And so to make those efforts that we decide to make those efforts fall like the whole way through, uh, but also not to just go blindly on something we said three years ago and just do the same thing all the time because the world is changing uh, continuously. Um, and for me as a person, there's I would say it's a challenge because the company is very, very different in different phases. And it requires a lot of different leadership skills and it requires, honestly, quite different organizations also. Like there's one, some people are doing their absolutely best when it's just new ideas coming up. And then it becomes, after a while, some parts becomes more, it's important not to do new things, like just keep what we're doing and doing, still doing good. And then maybe there's other type of personality skills that's acquired there. So make sure that we have the right people in, in the right place and to make sure that I do delegate parts that is more, should just keep the momentum and keep um, existing structures because that's not what, what I'm doing good and make sure that other people feel those uh, spots uh, instead. And I think just when things are moving quickly to be able to uh, have some high level perspective and uh, make sure we spend both our time and efforts, but also the resources in the right places Um it is a challenge for most companies that is growing fast. And do you have like on a weekly basis, monthly basis, like blocked strategic time thinking, taking a step back? If I'm, how often do you do that? I, the listeners can see you're nodding right now. So <laughs> Yeah. Now we work with uh, OKRs. Um, it's like a known method. And I think that's 
been working out quite well for us because then we have like a year high level strategy that it's like, what are we gonna, it's more like goals for the year. And then we do OKRs on a six month basis, but we evaluate them on three months basis. So then we lock the three months period in, then like, yeah. this is what we're going to do now. We need to be persistent and consistent. And then we have some strategic overview whether it's still the right uh, activities for, for the end goal and whether um, some prerequisites of some sort or some opportunity have been um, raised, like arised of some sort and uh, make sure, okay, are we still spending our time and focus on the, on the right things? So it's uh, OKRs and, of course, some sort of financial budget, but you would yeah. say budget slash uh, financial and OKRs are your two main, like, on a framework level. And we have one thing also that I could recommend. Uh, we also have um, a shareholder agenda where all of our share, like, we have agreed with our shareholders, like a Word document, like, on a three-year time. Um, what's the high level goal and that then becomes the input to the board of what direction the company should go for and on a high level basis and also for well of course the company of so we make sure that the OKRs and everything is aligned with the shareholders so we don't then sit and discuss whether one KPI is more important than the other or should we have a one year or three year or five year or ten year perspective um on on different things so that is that is actually quite we didn't have that from start but we had that last last period now and it's been quite valuable actually and also when you continuously do maybe new investor rounds etc you can make sure that new investors are aligned with the opinions of the old ones so that doesn't become two different problems Uh, (laughs) exactly thank you martina and uh now it's time actually for the second and last external question. Are you ready? Yes. Hello, Martina. This is Arian, the CEO and founder of Value Logic, a tech consulting company. I wonder, during your startup phase, were there any times when you doubted your business idea or your own vision and had a hard time recruiting people to the idea and thought about giving up or a plan B of some sorts? Thank you. Like my honest answer to that is actually no. We've had a lot of challenges. I think everyone have a lot of challenges all the time. Uh, but I think just if I, I've never really questioned what we're doing and whether um, I believe in the whole uh, idea and where we're going or not, that I've never done. And I think just running a company and if you treat, like really believe in, believe in your vision I think you just have to learn how to love problems <laughs> because what you're doing in the end, you're solving a big problem and then you have a lot of small problems along the way. Um, and if you see all the problems as more like, here's a challenge, uh, let's face it and let's overcome it, uh, then it becomes much more more easy. And I think that's also why when I think it's been a hard time, it's it's so important that you have a, like a culture and a team and you don't feel alone because if you are a team that go into the different challenges together, um, then it's so much easier in the end. Or if you start, if you have like a blaming culture and if you have everything like very independent, etc. I think it's just, um, if I hadn't had my co-founder and a team that I think 
all challenges is really a team effort to to solve, I think I would have a completely different answer uh, to the question in the end. Makes sense. That said, it hasn't been easy, of course. No, of course. That hasn't really been my expectations either. So. <laughs> oh, but that, I love I love your answer here because I, I'm the same way myself. I'm like no plan B because if you have a plan B, you always have an easy way out. Yeah. And then you start spending all the time to question whether you should do it or not. And the alternative, instead of just how do I overcome this problem? Exactly. So, uh, Arian, thank you so much for your question. I hope you like Martina's answer. And now we're moving on. KPIs, Martina. We are going to talk about your top three. You can say up to five also, but I want to uh, keep it clean here. Which three KPIs? are the most important for Telnes. Yes, we we follow up some uh, a lot of KPIs, of course, but the most important for us is uh, the ARR, annual recurring uh, revenue, uh, because that's a pattern of both the growth in general, but also growth in terms of that we get paid <laughs> from our solutions. It could have been customer base, etc. But the ARR means that both the customer base is growing, but also that uh, we have valuable product that the customers thinks is worth paying for um, in the end. And it generates revenues to the company, of course. Uh, so they're recurring revenues um, in the company. And that is also accurate both for Telnus, the operator, and for the tech um, company, because we're divided into two uh, organizations now. Um, the other part is customer uh, happiness, like customer experience. Uh, so that's the second KPI because that's where we make sure we're relevant for the end user and we solve the problem that we started with uh, from the beginning, uh, which is make the customers happy. Um, because if they're not happy, then they will stop using our services in the end and then everything will fall apart. Um, and the last part we do follow up is it's been different KPIs, but it's more in terms of profitability of some sort uh, in different phases. It's been more, um, it could be CAC, it could be burn rate, it could be um, other parts in different phases, but we do, we have a strategy to have a profitable company over time. And then we do need to have some KPIs on the cost uh, phase or the profitability or CAC, etc., to make sure that we grow uh, scalable. Nice. So you have the sales, you have the retention slash alumni slash usability, and you have the cost part. Yeah, it could be different for different phases on the cost, but yeah. yes. Okay, do you want to throw in a fourth or a fifth here, or should we just focus on this and move on? You can see if you find it relevant or not. But if you deep dive into customer experience, I would say there's two different KPIs uh, we do follow up. One is like NPS, Net Promoter Score that makes sure, um, well, the customer do recommend us in the end and th that they're happy. And the other part we follow up very, very tight is net retention, the churn and, and growth of the existing customer base, uh, because that means that we can grow with our customers and that we don't have to sell a lot more just to keep our output um, in the end. So we actually managed to have uh, over 120% uh, net retention uh, since oh, start, nice. uh, which is like 
the average in the industry is that you lose 20% of the customers every year and we grow instead. It's a quite different business case if you do that. Congratulations. Thank you. Okay, then um, Martina, what are your best practices to maintain great company culture? We talked about quickly earlier, company culture, some bullets now. Uh, I would say to make a strategy of how your company culture should be and not just take it for granted. Like you have the other uh, KPI you have in the end. Um, so you have a strategy, what should it be, have it, have it defined, and then you set your uh, agenda and activities uh, based on that. Uh, so we have we set, the first thing we did in the company is that we set uh, what principles do we have, what uh, company values do we have, and what company should we be, and then like, what meetings should we have on a weekly basis? What uh, yearly activities should we have? What policies should we have, et cetera, et cetera, to support uh, those in the end? So we have, for example, I run magic mornings every Wednesday morning with a different uh, cultural uh, exercise with the whole company. And we do different things on a recurring basis to make sure that we actively uh, work with what we have this find is important for us it's magic mornings magic mondays yeah you can you can play around with the words a lot but uh, nice uh, okay martina um this this question now th- this is purely like vam oriented question that i ask all my guests oh, yeah. because I, I i'm a sales nerd P- people that know me you you know me you know that i'm a sales nerd I, I want to know about outreach so what would you say is the best way to do uncold outreach to you i'm just collecting data points here the future of sales. Cold outreach to me, I would say make it short and, and straight to the point. If I get a long email or a sales call, with an, it's, it doesn't work out for me. But just make it very, very, very short and talk about like the value of why we should talk in the beginning and make your research beforehand. Thank you, Martina. Moving on to top three things. You have been a CEO now for a while. What would you tell yourself? One to top three things, if you're going to keep it clean, you're going to keep it short, going to keep it relevant for yourself and for me that you have learned. Oof. Only three things. Uh, now I would say um, to really, really spend time on uh, the strategy and the task for the upcoming three or six months. We spend a lot more time on that now, making sure we, uh, we focus much better. Um, because in most startups, there's great people. They will exceed with the task, but are they doing the right thing or not? Just to make sure that you have, uh, you do that preparation before meetings, before strategy periods, before whatever you do, don't cut off the planning beforehand. And the second part would be, I got a recommendation. I think it was a podcast or something I listened to. Uh, some year ago uh, that said so basically that you always develop uh, either you develop in the right way or the wrong way but doing nothing means that you're developing something in the wrong way most mostly so take active decision of how to develop uh, everything because it will then it will go in either uh, direction and to take control of that nice and the last part I would say is um, how important it is with company culture and to make that a strategic um, matter and that when you're recruiting people 
a new person in the team will either contribute positively, will always contribute positively or negatively. There's nothing as having a new person in a team that will have the team neutral. Uh, so when I recruit now, I always have the question to myself, like, with, will this person contribute to the, to the culture uh, in a good way? Uh, and if I can't answer yes, mo it will possibly, almost, most possibly be in a negative way and you shouldn't recruit the person. Uh, and I think that's been very accurate. Fully on the last, uh, all this three, but the last part, I really can see it also. So classic when you're a leader and uh, hiring. So Martina, thank you for these three great things. Uh, I always wrap this up by asking my guest, which other two B2B SaaS CEOs are you inspired by and would like me to interview so you can listen to in this podcast? I very, I'm very inspired about uh, Jonny Varsham that is running Mentimeter. Um, I think they've done a great journey both in terms of well, their growth and keeping their product uh, crisp uh, and, and, and focused, but also they have they are also spending a lot of time on company culture he was actually the one that mentioned your name uh, in oh, really? the third episode <laughs> so if you're listening you that listen right now you can just go to episode three and listen to johnny because martina recommend johnny and who is the second name and the second name i would say is friedrich hedberg from tink would be very interesting i haven't heard him in much Uh, and they just sold their company now also to Visa, etc. So I think it would be very interesting to hear uh, their a little bit longer journey and uh, the learnings from different uh, phases of that. Thank you for great news, Martina. And to you that's been listening, if you like what you heard, please press the subscription button and also check out some of the previous episodes, like Johnny that Martina mentioned. And Martina, a huge thank you for putting aside 30 minutes together with me to help the community and me to keep on learning. Thank you, Joseph.